Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Cooper and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is an interview with JD, the vocalist from the band Fallen Void. You may not know this band. It's a, a band that is new, uh, recently started a musical metal journey, if you will, a musical metal quest, if you will. And it was nice to sit down with them and talk about kind of their scene within their country. They're from the US and from Northern Virginia and talk about what they're going to do, what their plans are and how they're looking at things. And, and, and it became uh, something that I really, really enjoyed doing, speaking to bands from other countries, other cities to get an idea of what their struggles and what their challenges are. And then talk to a band just breaking through that you haven't heard of before that you don't maybe uh, know anything from. And that's a really exciting thing to introduce people to, to new music where I wherever I can. I love it when bands send me music and, and, and bits and pieces that they're, they're doing that I haven't heard before. It's nothing more exciting. It proves that metal is very much alive. If you are one of those bands that wants to get in touch with me and appear on the show, that, uh, I'm working through a list of people that are doing just that. Feel free to do so by uh, whatever social media you prefer. Get in touch with me. We'll get you on the show. We'll have a conversation. I love nothing more than to discover new metal. And that's new N-E-W as well as, hey, listen, I've got a lot of love for new metal as well. But the N-U version, we can do that too. Uh, Get in touch with me and we'll talk about getting you on on the show. This episode was a real, real tough time to to, to get to because it was the first time we had to pass at it. I had nothing but problems my end uh, with various sorts of technical difficulties. We overcame them. And to bring you the show that you're going to hear now, they have a new single out, a new video out for the song Nothing, which I suggest you check out after listening to this podcast. Let's get straight into it, though. This is my conversation with JD from the band Fallen Void. Ladies and gentlemen, those listening won't know the the, the struggle that, that I've, I've caused more than anything to, to get to this podcast, to get to this show. Um, but the reason I struggled and the reason I promised this band that I would speak to them was because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this band, a brand, brand new, really, really new band uh, with only a small amount of material. But one, instantly I, I, I heard some stuff by and really wants to check out. I really found their story about kind of what they're doing, uh, where the background is and, and kind of what it's like in their scene as well. And so it's really nice to finally sit down with, with JD. How you doing, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. How about you? Uh, okay, eventually we got this on. It was all my fault. And uh, <laughs> for, for the purpose of no transparency, worries. ladies and gentlemen, I had a really poor setup. And, and it just was a kick up the arse to get it sorted. That's that's what it come down to, ladies and gentlemen. So it's nice to sit without any worry about loss of signals and, and all that other nonsense and how long we can talk for. We can talk for as long as we want. So I've just been... What was great is that we, we were meant to do this, this show a little bit before Christmas, I think, was when we, we actually set it up. And then we only get to do it now. But in the meantime, you guys have been super busy. You know, I've been keeping an eye on what you've been doing and watching what's going on. And even kind of as busy as you guys are, you've been sort of putting together a music video. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We got a new music video. Uh, no official release date, but we'll probably just, you know, drop drop it with like a week's notice and then just build up the hype. But the music video is pretty close to being done. It's a fun mm. one. Is that is that going to be for 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 the track nothing or? Yes, that's it's going to be yeah. for the track nothing. Yeah. Um, so that's the one that, ladies and gentlemen, you'll be able to hear on Bandcamp and be able to check that as well. And you'll and it's a pretty it's pretty indicative of where you where you kind of are right now as a band. There's 
one of the things we were saying on the on the unrecorded show was how much that there was a, a wonderful mix of influences within your band. The, like every sort of member seems to have a, a a different place that they're coming from, including yourself. I think that's a really good mix. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, Jason has a lot of influence from like Dark Tranquility, and um, all of us have a lot of influence from In Flames. Um, At the Gates, obviously, was a big one for Jason. Um, Dave's a little bit older, um, so he has some of the more classic influences too, but he's also got just a lot of friends in the scene. Um, You know, he he has taken lessons with Chris Broderick for a a number of years. Um, So he's, he's pretty connected in there and just knows a lot of the guys. So wide array of influences, you know, there's like decapitated in there, obviously for my vocals, Lamb of God is one that comes to mind. Uh, Gojira was another big one. Um, And then all of us are really into Mastodon. So there's some slight proggy elements that get in there, but that's not the, the main focus it's, it's nice because none of those elements trample on each other they all let each other breathe sometimes when there's a, a band and everybody wants their kind of influence shown on it it becomes a bit of a right. mess and it lacks a bit of direction you don't suffer from that in fact quite the reverse you draw a lot of strength from these i would urge anybody and i will put links on the, the podcast i will urge anybody to check out the stuff that you've, you've currently got up as well uh because it's, it, it is it's it's a really nice mix of all the influences which is really what a, a band should be right it should be more than the sum of its parts, equaling something a bit more interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, like we said on the last one, as I'll probably keep referring to until we get to the, the point where we we, we did we weren't talking on that podcast yeah, no and worries. stuff. But for you, where does where does music enter your life then? Yeah, like uh, yeah, from the start, you know, I had um, I had an older brother who I feel like kind of gave me a lot of CDs for my birthday or for Christmas. And that's kind of how I got into various parts of music. So he, um, you know, I remember he had a Smashing Pumpkins Siamese Dream poster um, in his room. And so he was into like them and Nirvana. Um, But then as I got a bit older, he actually um, gave me just this like laundry list. Um, I had found in flames and I guess he picked up my um, iPod back you know, one of the first generation iPods and was like just checking out the music I was listening to. Um, and he saw that I was listening to In Flames, I guess, a lot. And he gave me this list of bands like Mastodon and Baroness um, and, you know, various other ones. And I, I checked them out. So, uh, you know, he, I think, gave me a lot of influence. My parents were big into the Beatles. So um, bands like the Beatles and the Bee Gees, uh, and the doors I feel like were maybe my like intro to music as a whole. Um, and then my brother got me into stuff with a little more distortion, a little heavier. And then as I discovered metal kind of coincidentally from like friends and stuff and um, you know, it just kind of evolved from there. Uh, I went and saw Metallica in high school with some buddies and I started well, it was basically a Metallica cover band, but it wasn't a cover band, you know, just yeah. we drew so much influence that it was like very, very similar. Uh, so, and then it just kind of seeing them and Anthrax and Slayer and Megadeth and then all the people that opened for them. So I saw like Testament and Exodus and then it just sort of expanded from there based off like the bands that opened for them and the ones that were related to them, you know, Lamb of God, Gojira. And then 
Yeah, I guess the last thing I'd say is uh, Guitar Hero. That was a pretty popular <laughs> yeah, yeah. game at a point. That definitely introduced me to a variety of, of good bands too. Um, I think that was a cool, it was a cool moment in time where like that put rock music and metal music and stuff kind of at the forefront. And a lot of bands I think people might not have otherwise had seen from that uh, and rock band the game. You know, just being able to like pretend to play those songs was really fun and. Uh, yeah. I think maybe it got people playing drums, maybe some, and maybe they picked up a real guitar. Who knows? I think your your journey to where you are now with, with, with the music that you're into, I think a lot of people will, will have that similar journey. And it was starting, you know, around sort of the Metallica and Big Four days where they kind of found their own music. They had their parents playing them, let's say, classic music like Led Zeppelin and, and mm-hmm. Sabbath and Pink Floyd and all these great bands that are like, you know, stamped great it's as simple as that whichever genre you're in and then you find your own one which tends to be a more aggressive maybe heavier style and you find like the big four metallica and anthrax and, and megadeth and slayer and and then from that that helps you um get into more extreme stuff and kind of go go from there and it's interesting it, 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 quite a lot to unpack there but the first thing that i i, <laughs> I, I sparked my interest was that you talked about ipods and it's interesting, we forget, I'm a child of tape and vinyl right. and can remember pre-internet. And obviously now the, 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 uh, there's, there's a whole group of listeners that have no idea of that era and listen to streaming. But there was a little chunk in between there, ladies and gentlemen, just before streaming services, where you had to get something on a small sort of stick, sort of device called an iPod or whatever device it was, and you would put the songs on. You wouldn't stream them. You would put the songs on there. And it was groundbreaking because it wasn't like a Walkman or a CD player where you could uh, you could only play one thing. You could have like a couple of hundred songs on there and it, it had a pin, bit of a powerful charge and off you went. And I forget about that little time <laughs> yeah. just before streaming when it, when, it, when, it, when you could just put your phone on and stream the entire universe. I That's forgot about so true, that. yeah. Yeah, and you had to you had to pick too because you know you maybe didn't have yeah. the one with all the storage, so you had to pick your top like two hundred songs or whatever. Yeah, uh, it, it was yeah, definitely better though than yeah. I had that uh I had like a portable CD player and like you know a case that I put like all my CDs and you can only carry around so many CDs. Yeah, I was in my friend's car the other day. So it's a really old car. It's a great car, but it's an old car and it hasn't got any. It's 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 from the eighties, the seventies, and eighties and. And he's got a CD player. He, he considered that the height of technology, put a CD player in it. And he's got a huge box or a huge bag just filled with CDs. And it weighs, <laughs> nice. you could kill someone with it. It weighs a ton. And it's sure. just, you have to flick through like a library. It's a, it's a real harkening to a, a previous age. It's fabulous. Yeah, I, I've got a 2008 Honda. So <laughs> it's got a CD player. And I still have some <laughs> CDs in there. Uh, don't listen to that often. It does have an aux cord like oh, sure. again okay. so I normally use that but it is it's just old enough to sell the cds yeah i i like that you know the the physical aspect of music though i do collect some vinyl yeah. for like my absolute yeah. favorites um i think there's something to just like almost like turning your phone off putting on a, a record or a cd and just enjoy for what it is you know it's mm-hmm. the same type of thing as if you go to a concert how many people are just filming it through their phone and like watching through that instead of like just experiencing the moment. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So some, I think there's something to the physical aspect of music that I, I, uh, I tend lost. to see it as 
a ceremony, if I have to explain that. So what I mean by that yeah. is that it's something that maybe the people who listen only through streaming don't get is where there's, there was a there was a ceremony to listen to something. Let's take a piece of vinyl that you would buy that vinyl, you would look at the outside and the inlays, and, the, and, the, and if it was a gatefold, you would look at the inside. You would you would have that moment where you would put the, the needle onto the record. You'd, you'd be a quiet room most of the time, and you would sit and listen in silence uh, along with the record reading lyrics or whatever all the way through the record and there was a wonderful um uh, sort of buy-in from the listener then you know where they go okay well i'm going on this journey with this band they're going to listen to it to this album we're going to how they intended it to be heard and i'm going to let it wash over me and and that gave you a you almost kind of felt connected to, to that album then, you know, because you'd spent right. time with it rather than just listen to something, maybe a couple of seconds, a riff, a couple of seconds, and then and then going away. Did you have that initially with stuff that you were hearing then? So what were the first sort of bands that you claimed as your own? Yeah, so and this is like such not a, uh, a metal band, <laughs> but the first CD I distinctly remember buying was uh the all-american rejects who's like a pop punk kind of pop rock band uh i remember my sister had their first cd and i remember when the second one came out i got it like a week early at target uh i don't know why they had it early but i got it uh and i that's the first one i really remember buying and like just wearing out because i just listened to it like over (laughs) and over again uh or i guess it was a cd so it just got scratched or whatever um i remember that one and then what was what did I buy after that? That was about when my brother started giving me um, double LPs as like two CD sets. Um, right. So he gave me the Beatles White Album and Pink Floyd's The Wall um, and some others. But I remember listening to those a lot because um, I had always heard like the earlier Beatles stuff, I guess the more boy band stuff. Um, yeah. So the White Album, of course, is their most eclectic by far. Uh, so it, it's just a variety of things. Um, yeah, I remember that All American Rejects album. Um, and then what was the, probably the first metal one I really remember seeking out and getting. And, you know, I, I say metal. I'm sure there's some purists out there who might not agree. <laughs> but uh, Avenged Sevenfold's City yeah. of Evil. Um, right. And I, something about like how catchy everything was and the guitar work and stuff. It was just so cool. It was so yeah. fun. So I, I remember getting that one. And around that time, I went and saw them in concert like five times in a row. Uh, super yeah. fun band to see live. They're a, they're a really interesting example of where they've had the same journey as you almost in the band. You can hear Metallica in Avenged Sevenfold. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can hear that. You can hear like, as the king and stuff you can hear you can hear metallica in there and you can hear axel in shadows is singing oh you yeah can hear, for sure you can hear almost little bits that, that that you had in what they're doing and i think it's it makes it even more accessible in some ways you know uh, metallica for all the things that get leveled uh, uh, badly against them the reason they born so many garage bands and kids who didn't feel the need to dress up and just go on the street clothes and play on stage was because they for a long time felt like one of us. They felt like our friends who've just done well. It's like, okay, well, if we can write some good songs, we could we could be Metallica. You you thought that as a kid, you know, and then Avenged Sevenfold did exactly that. You know, they were like, okay, well, we can we can be rock stars too, and we can play uh, big shows and, and what have you. And they went and did that, you know, and, and I think that that's 
that's one of the beautiful things about about metal is that it can it's the closest thing we've got to street music i, I believe and, and kind of a way of escaping for for a young person you know it gives a very clear route i mean i suppose rap is probably its closest musical counterpart where someone can go from not having much and be and, and in a bit of a, a sort of an area of disadvantage or sociological disadvantage and make it out and be successful um you know but yeah. i think it's fabulous that music offers up that you know that's it it's, sure. it's outside of that or sports you know yeah for sure and actually it might surprise a lot of people i've put this on instagram comments before but it just on very posts i actually listen to a lot of rap i don't know about the other guys in the band i listen to a surprising <laughs> amount of rap that i think people would be just like surprised about i listen to really all types of music um yeah. not really into country music at least yeah. i'm not into uh nashville country maybe i would say like the pop country stuff um i can definitely respect more i think they call it outlaw country um yeah Waylon Jennings like, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah or like yeah. Um, Tyler Childers is one that is he's pretty cool. Just when you can see that there's actual like emotion and stuff behind the music and it's not just yeah. like manufactured to be for a very specific audience and just overproduced and stuff, I can respect that. But it's it's it's, it's like this comes up a lot. Um, and I think I'm going to get some rap artists on, which is going to, drive some people crazy but the reason i'd like to talk to rap artists and, and that from that end of the spectrum and that end of the scene is that there are so many energies that those music share that's why you get rap metal and hardcore and right. stuff like that is because they share similar energies in similar sort of you know confrontational empowerment energies you know strength and kind of you know looking after yourself and 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 positive messages about about yourself and and, the, and your area and your environment and where you're from and your family and your friends and there's an enormous amount of crossover with those energies with metal now you bring up country that's not been brought up before but i think you're 100 right i think that think about some of the great things about country think about like johnny cash and, and, and yeah you yeah know, that's everything when it was about you know drinking you know whiskey and and going out and, and raising hell and not yeah. giving a fuck and doing what you wanted to do and they're like they're the staples of metal if i told you that was a band you'd go is that pantera you're talking about you know right. it's like and they have massive country influences as well you know and and you know you think about even like which we're talking about metallica day you know it's it's obvious hetfield loves country stuff as well it's obvious he does um you know certainly it's just like you know listen to mama said and you can hear country all over that you know so it's interesting that uh, we talk about not listening to certain music because you know you don't want to an, a piss off the, an elitist part right, of right. metal. But re in reality, some of the best stuff has come when we've took a little bit of that blood and injected yeah. it into our own. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, like you know, I I know new metal had its kind of fad and maybe like died off, but I mean it. I still really enjoy going back sometimes and listening to like Lincoln Park or like uh, System of a Down. I still think it's great. I mean, they're yeah. so interesting and unique. Um, so you know, I think I, there's I th just I thought the time had been had been hard to to new metal uh, because after the, the wave of it, and especially someone like Limp Bizkit, who, who were kind of one of those people at the forefront of it, there was a massive attacker where it was like, it's childish, it's ridiculous, it's misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. And it was all these things laid against it, largely untrue, were laid against it. And then now, 
Limbisk came back and did an album right. and about a doing new albums. And people have had a chance to step back and actually look at it and go, you know what? It was just a lot of fun and there's some great stuff going on there. And they've kind of, so a lot of people have softened their position, haven't they, on new metal? Um, it's yeah. always been welcome back again a little bit, you know, because if it's yeah. good, it's simply good. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think to your point of like adding in little bits of stuff is what makes it interesting. Like right now, I think some of the bands that are doing really cool stuff with metal, like Code Orange, for example, they, add, they have like some really glitchy elements, taking stuff from like electronic music um, or like I like Poppy a lot. Um, and she takes, well, she kind of does a lot of things, but like a lot of stuff from like industrial metal, a little bit of new metal. The last time mm-hmm. had some grunge influence um and pop obviously of course um that was kind of her youtube shtick for a while like stuff like that that's just interesting and dynamic i feel like that's where metal can go to um and that's that's where it can can go and i mean even you know nowadays i guess pop punk and pop rock is like becoming huge again with people like machine gun kelly transitioning from rap into Mm -hmm. uh that like teenage pop punk stuff i mean I think he's like 30 something, but it, it works for him, you know? <laughs> it's uh, working for him, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Travis Barker gets involved with all these kids helping him out, like Willow um, and some other people. So, like, I don't, you know, I hear some of it. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm too old for this, but I respect it. I'm glad he's getting some <laughs> mainstream attention, yeah, you know? Yeah. I don't know what it is. It, it, it seems to be eternal that if you want to appear kind of cool, edgy at the edges of sort of culture and a little bit kind of badass metal is still it's still the one isn't it it's still the one yeah. if you want to if you if you see a bad guy in a in a movie chances are they're yeah, wearing it's, it's a black music. leather jacket yeah long hair you know uh you know some kind of band t-shirt that's that's the look is it? it's it seems right. to be eternal <laughs> like like the like like a pair of uh, white uh, white t shirts and blue jeans is eternally cool. It seems like metal is always if everybody, anybody wants to appear a little bit cool, they 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 tarnish themselves with with, with a bit of metal. And it seems to me the, the always the way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you know, starting off the the show today, talking all of my I guess these opinions. I'm sure some elitist people might be like, "Man, what terrible <laughs> taste here talking about country and." Uh, JD, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you this now. Every single person that's listening now, if you are listening now, be honest with yourself. Be really honest with yourself. You listen to a ton of metal, and you you fly the flag for it, and we love you for it. But every so often, every so often, you'll put on an album that you know, and I know, we all know, isn't metal at all. And we'll get you handing in your metal card. But the reality <laughs> is that it takes a lot of different metal um, and it needs to come from a lot of different places to keep it alive. That's the truth. That's why yeah. we talked about the Beatles and the White Album. The Beatles' White Album, is ext- even now, is extremely experimental. And some stuff, in my opinion, works, and some stuff doesn't, for me, anyway. But they took those chances with something like Sgt. Peppers, which was, is massively experimental. They took those chances to get to the places that they wanted to go and stay alive as a band, you know, and all the greatest bands and all the greatest artists have to evolve to a slight degree, you know, to a slight degree, they have to evolve in order to keep interesting involved, but more importantly, it's to keep the, uh, the musician interested, like to someone like yourself, 
you couldn't produce something unless you were fully engaged with it and it fully represented what you wanted to be. You know, otherwise, like you say, it wouldn't come across as a genuine piece of art. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, even like you mentioned, like the, the look type of thing, like how there's like just this look that's associated with metal. I feel like, you know, something that when we were talking about taking band pictures, Jason was like, I don't like, can we just not just stand there and cross our arms <laughs> and look like angry yeah. against a tree? You know, this is just so yeah. generic. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of why I, at least so far, um, and you'll see in this upcoming music video, uh, I had a similar thing where everyone else wore dark clothes and black and I wore mostly like white or pale colors. Right. Um, you know, if people want, I'm not going to say if there's any symbolism there, if people want to find symbolism, they can't, but I think, you know, broader than potential symbolism or literary ideas, it's, I think it's that rejection that you don't have to just be the, the stereotype right you don't have to you don't have to be cool it's it's okay to do stuff that's genuine to you yeah i think it's that's exactly it and it's just it's gonna i mean it hasn't got it's got to lend itself to the music as well it has to work as a as a whole image you know for one terrible word but it has to work as an image i remember seeing the first time seeing slipknot and they're wearing red and boiler suits and i'm like well Okay, you know, they didn't, all the other bands are wearing black and, 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 and T-shirts and jeans, but these guys are wearing boiler suits. And at first, I'm like, what's going on? But the music fits for that. And there was a whole ethos behind it that would look like all look the same and there was the, you know, it would, there could be characters. And, and that's been going on since time began about kind of, you know, slightly pushing what's there. You know, it started like with Alice Cooper, who takes like metal tropes, but then brings in a whole cake like uh, vaudeville and, and and horror and everything and that happens and as we move forward through you know marilyn manson's a good example of someone who does that as well messes with you know the visuals of it you have to do something otherwise you know the same picture of a band like you say standing against the wall is just not going to work it's right. just not exactly. going to cut through you know exactly i think uh i think that was part of it i i think i was on just walking around my neighborhood and I was thinking about like an image type thing, like you said, because uh, I think that, like you mentioned Slipknot, I think Sean is the guy's name. Who's the clown. Uh, yeah, he, sure. I think he's, he's kind of the visionary behind everything. And it was a lot of like, he's like the businessman. I think a lot of the bands that really get successful have that, like you're saying an image or a clear vision of what they want to do. Yeah. Because I think there's a ton of bands that have amazing music and they just, it doesn't, get picked up or whatever and you know people have different goals you know our our goal is is, you know we're just having fun we're all working professionals and we're um most of you know we all have our jobs but then we do this on the side for fun and you know we don't know where we'll take it to we want to play shows and tour a bit and stuff but uh you know our aspirations might be different from some other people's but regardless i think the bands do get that level of success had someone with a vision behind it driving what they wanted to achieve so that yeah. that was my first i it's guess not, idea it, yeah it, it's not it's not a, an image in a brand is isn't a dirty word it's been made a dirty word and it's been used as a way of explaining if a band sold out or if they're not true to their roots and etc cetera, etc cetera. it's been used in that way but it's a really blunt tool to explain like you say a band's just doing what they enjoy and what they want to project and that image and their ideas that they want to project you know you could argue that 
you know, Pink Floyd had a brand and a look, and that's what they went into. It doesn't, it's nonsense, of course, but they right. knew all what they wanted to do. They knew the image that they wanted to project and how they wanted to present themselves. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's 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 just that now, especially in, in light of, of social media, is that that has almost become the one of the biggest elements of a band getting noticed and getting their music heard. You know, in many ways, a great video is almost more important than the song itself, the visuals yeah. of it, you know, uh, which no, is I crazy. So, yeah. Yeah, like uh, what? OK Go. They had that video where they're on the treadmills. Yeah. It's like iconic. I mean, I don't even really remember what the song sounds like that much, but <laughs> yeah, I remember exactly. the video. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting. The the now when any OK Go release a, a song, I want to see it because I want to see the video. I'm like, oh, what if they do yeah. the video this time? You know, and it becomes like a like an endless stream when I've got to see, see them because of that. I wonder then, therefore, that how many people actually checked out their album, their music. Now, some probably didn't. Well, well, this isn't for me, but some did. And so, you know, that's why, you know, originally music videos were merely an extension of an ad- advertisement. That's that's exactly where they started, you know. And it c- reached its epoch, if you will, with someone like Michael Jackson doing a feature-length thing with lots of money poured into it to show off it but it was just to sell the album that's that's exactly what it's there for right. it's a little bit of a a window into what you do as an artist so you have to put something together you know even metallica's one they're in it playing in street clothes but it's mixed and put together with a with with, with film footage to to at least give some kind of idea of what you're going to get when you go to see them or buy that album you know right yeah and when we made the video for dawn you know is when i first thought of the like everyone wear dark clothes and I wear light colored clothes and yeah. you know part of it's the contrast and part of it's the image but then if you listen to the lyrics of Dawn and maybe you think a little bit about like uh, the Abbey Road album cover uh, right. I believe John is it John is the one that is like in all white and he's not yeah, wearing yeah. shoes maybe or something Paul, I don't... Paul, Paul's barefoot yeah yeah, yeah you know those white. types of things like you know you can draw some conclusions there I'm not gonna say what they specifically <laughs> were or that it was or wasn't intentional but there was there was some yeah. idea of those types of things in there because you know the song is about uh and the song was written i think almost i don't want to say 15 years ago but it was written a while ago by jason yeah. basically when he was in in like high school maybe like say 15 years ago um and the timing was coincidental that it is all about a disease and we released it during a pandemic yeah. um but, you know, the lyrics at first were even written differently where it started at, um, did it start at dawn? Basically, right, the way the song goes now, it ends at dawn. Like, it's basically like going over, like, a course of a night. It starts, yes. at, and it's darker, yeah. and it goes in the middle of the night, and it becomes dawn. Originally, it was written, like, different from that, where maybe it starts at dawn, and then it becomes the middle of the night. Um, right. So we flipped that on its head. Um, that, that was my idea that why don't we leave it open-ended and leave it maybe hopeful so Mm. you know maybe you know basically you can read into it and find the symbolism you want i i think in in general with our music and our videos and stuff we like i like having that level of mystique i like having i think the other guys do too just a little bit of like something that makes it fun like a band that does that really well um another band i listen to a lot back in high school was afi uh who has a wide range of stuff from 
you know, they started hardcore East Bay punk music to uh, like, like horror punk, I guess. And then goth yeah. rock and all kinds of stuff. They, they've changed their sound so much, but they have a really interesting like mystique about them and their releases. And I just think it's fun. So yeah. adding a little bit of that and letting people think for themselves, I think is a good thing. Well, you, you, like Abbey Road's a good example, and I won't tell you tell the listeners. I'll let them check out the video to see the parallels that, that I've seen, and I'm sure they will see. But Abbey Road's a perfect example because I'm pretty sure that, that John dressed in a white suit deliberately. That's that's an obvious move. Yeah, of course right. he did. But Paul taking his shoes off it's an interesting one. He probably did, I don't know if the other guys even knew he did that or why right. or whatever. And I can't remember who said it once, but someone said that when you write a song. There should be something for the world, something for everybody to get can get onto, something for the fans that people who know you, the band and the artist that can get into, something for just the band amongst yourselves, and then something for yourself that some people will never get, never understand, but you know it's it's in there. And yeah. I love that that music can be that. I love that a, an artist can do that with a song that over time you can unwrap it and go, oh, this was the this was this, and this means that, and it just gives a a longevity to a song and a, and a, and a real buy-in, like I said, to a song, if you know that there's layers to it and there's things going on and what, what did you mean and how did you mean that? I think that's that's fascinating to me for, for an artist. And, it, and I think it increases the lifespan of an artist as well because it, it means that the, what they write isn't just superficial. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. That's a really good way to put that. And, you know, I think there are elements of that in, in the stuff we write. Um, yeah. You know, Jason likes to write a lot of things with real world parallels. Um, and sometimes he won't even tell me what the parallel is. Like he, <laughs> one, of the, one of the songs that is coming out um, that we will release, uh, basically we have this music video coming out. We have a, a couple other songs um, and then some others that we've all individually worked on that we're going to bring together um, and, and start to put it all together. We're going to release, the plan is to release another EP. Um, mm-hmm. And that, uh, well, originally, I think we were going to release it last year, but, you know, time gets away from you, the pandemic and all that stuff. But we are going to release at least another EP of songs. Um, And there's one song on there that Jason wrote, and he's mentioned that he had a particular person in mind. He didn't tell me who the person was. Um, I wrote an additional verse on that that I thought fit perfectly with the person I had in mind, basically. Sure. Um, or at least a theme I had in mind, or what I thought maybe he meant. And we still never outright said to each other at all. The song works great. I think it flows really well, regardless of who he had in mind or who I have in mind. It could be totally different people, or maybe it's not even a person. Maybe it's a a general feeling or something, but uh, that adds to that element that Mm. there's something unique for Jason. There's something unique for me. There's something that everyone can agree to because it, it talks about, you know, maybe this just overall like existential dread or this overall feeling of unease just through the pandemic or like hopelessness, you know, whatever feeling you want to find in it, you know. Yeah. And it's and it, and then that. what you'll hear is one thing, what he'll hear is one thing, but the listener will also hear another thing and take that away from them. You know, it, it, it's it's interesting how when you release music into the world how people have a different view of it than you may be intended. Um, the, one of the favourite examples is um, the song Every Breath You Take by The Police. 
And some people have that played at a wedding. And I remember seeing Sting talking about it, going, that's a song about a stalker. It's yeah. not it's not it's not meant to be played at a wedding, but it doesn't matter because when those two people get married, that means something entirely different than what right. that song means. And that's that's one of the, the wonderful things about what we do as as musicians and artists is that you're open to interpretation. You don't want something to be, you know, don't get me wrong, there's moments where you can say this is exactly about this, exactly about that, and that's okay, but it's always better to kind of leave people to think more, I find. Um, yeah. I think it, I think it just opens up the, the art a, a lot more. I totally so I mean, agree. vocally, when when did you start sort of going? Okay, well, vocally is where I want to move into. Did you start with instruments? Did you go straight to vocals? Yeah. So I actually play um, a variety of instruments. I grew up playing piano. I played for about seven years, taking lessons, um, and then I picked up a guitar. Uh, maybe like early high school ish time frame um my brother left a guitar at the house he was off in college and i guess i picked it up and just started like messing around with it i learned how to play actually i remember the first song i learned it was a uh, smelly cat from friends like the tv <laughs> show uh sure. <laughs> like three chords uh so i learned to play that uh and then it evolved from there um at some point I had a friend that sold me a bass out of their garage um, and I like took it and kind of tried to fix it up and make it usable. And I did, I sang in like, like choirs and I did musicals and stuff. And so I sang pretty much throughout my life, um, more like classical singing, of course. Sure. Uh, and the first band I was really in that one in high school um, I was the basically the rhythm guitarist and the singer. There was another guy. We took lessons from the same guitar teacher, and um, he just started before me, and I think he had a cleaner style of playing. I would say he was more left-handed of a guitarist, where he was about what he's playing notes-wise, and I was more right-handed, where I could play and pick faster and do unique picking patterns, which I felt like played itself well to rhythm. So we split up that way, and then I was the only one that could sing uh so i think i just went for it um yeah. and i learned how to play and sing at the same time and it worked pretty well uh i you know we were in high school and i i had you know your voice changes and stuff and i was figuring out my own like style of singing and stuff and then it was like well, i wanted to sound like metallica but my voice maybe wasn't as high as i wanted it to be and you know all these various things so i tried different vocal techniques and at some point I guess we all started getting into Lamb of God or Gojira. Um, and I tried, like we were playing, um, what's that Metallica song everyone plays? Uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. <laughs> we were playing right, For Whom the yeah. Bell Tolls. And, um, you know, when they say time marches on, um, <laughs> I started saying that with more of like a, a growl type sound, like almost like a Christian Bale Batman voice. You know, <laughs> sure. type, type. that's kind of how it sounded. And, <laughs> Uh, I eventually, we all went our separate ways and went to college and, you know, didn't continue the band, but I started looking more into how to do that. And at the time, YouTube was really picking up in popularity and there's a million YouTube videos about like how to scream, how to sound like this. And they're <laughs> yeah. all terrible. 
Every <laughs> single last one is horrible advice. <laughs> like just, it was, and those were like the days of um, like mall core, if you want to call it that, yeah. like, the, like <laughs> yeah. bright colors and like um, scene kid look and yeah. just like awful videos that like, and people just like doing weird techniques and it, it, none of it was good, but you could watch a bunch of them and find yeah. little bits of good advice. Like they would have something and then that wasn't yeah, totally. Yeah. And slowly you could put these all together. And eventually I found this one guy and I think he did a cover of Hourglass by Lamb of God. And he talked about just like a thing that he did that was like similar to clearing your throat is how he described it. And I tried it. And it kind of clicked. It like didn't feel right, but I was right. like, this is along the right lines for once. This is like actually along the right lines. So I kept just trying things for probably about a year straight. And then eventually found what I do now that, you know, I, I don't even think they fully have all the mechanics worked out, but I guess you would call it false chord. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I think it's basically behind your vocal cords are vestibular folds is what they're called and they can make noise uh and many people not everyone when you clear your throat make noise with them and if you manipulate your physiology i think that's the word in such a way that you <laughs> cut off your main vocal cords so you're not making sound through them but you force air through your vestibular folds it makes a cool screaming sound i think that's how it works I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor so i don't know for sure uh, but i think the key is that you do it and you practice it enough and you find what does not hurt and yes you just keep going for it and eventually yeah. it works out well and if it sounds like you want it too great if it doesn't you know keep trying i don't it, know isn't Try not that to the thing jay the the, the the gets leveled against like death metal and extreme music is when people first hear it who are not their ears aren't acclimatized to it they'll often be like, that's just, we all hear this, that's just screaming. Anybody could do that. Uh, it's just noise. It's da, 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 da. It's, all, it's just this is, is normally the, the interpretation of modern yeah. metal vocalists. And in, in actual fact, it's an incredibly dark art. It's incredibly, like, it's fine-tuned art. That, no, not everybody can do it. And it is teaching your vocal cords to do things that probably they weren't designed to do. But then, you know, if if you're a guitarist listening, you'll know the story of the, the kinks slashing the speakers to make it more distorted. Well, this is an example of that, is that we want this sound and you want to make this sound. What do we have to do? And sometimes it can be doing something vocally that you that's very alien. Um, and like you say, there are, as I always like with guitar playing or drumming or bass playing or anything like that, there is a ton of videos out there that are a, a complete shit. But <laughs> there are... There, there is there is elements of truth to them. You just got to pull them, and it's like when you're learning guitar. It's like okay, well, I like some of the stuff that that guy's doing, but I like some of this other stuff. I'll just use that, and and eventually you form the voice that you that you have, you know. And that's that's a good, that's a good thing because that style and and your voice is then going to be very uniquely your own. And um, did you did you have a song where you thought you know whether it was this band or other? that you got that you nailed that you moved into that that style of vocals was it with this band uh so i learned how to do all of this basically throughout college and i 
remember I I think it was Ruined by Lamb of God. It was either Ruined by Lamb of God or it was Laid to Rest. Mm-hmm. I did kind of a cover of sorts where I just recorded my vocals on top of it and I sent it to like my old bandmates or some friends and was like, Hey, I think I'm getting like pretty decent at this. And they're like, Whoa, that sounds like really similar to like Randy. Like that's really cool. <laughs> um, and so I kind of honed the style in that way a bit. Um, and in college, I actually also picked up playing the drums um, from playing rock band. Actually, I, I played enough of it <laughs> on the hardest difficulty where I, I got limb independence and I could sort of figure out how to translate it to a real drum kit. And then I had a roommate that left a pair of drums in the basement and never came back to get them. So I just decided they're my drums now. Uh, So I played drums with one of my other roommates um, and he played guitar. So we had like a two piece punk outfit basically um, for a bit where we would just like hang out, drink, play loud, spit on the floor, you know, just have fun, just be yeah. punk, right? It, it was a fun time. Uh, <laughs> and I did some of like, we both would just swap off singing parts or yelling parts or whatever. So I did some of those types of vocals for that. Um, but this band is really the first one where I like, I went in with that. Like um, Jason, uh, I met him on Craigslist, actually. He, he put up <laughs> a posting saying he was starting a band. Um, and I had moved to the area not too long before that. And I decided I wanted to try to see if I get in a band basically. And he had a song that another guy had done the vocals for. Um, and it was like up my alley. It was my kind of music. And I was like, oh, this would be cool. So I recorded my vocals on top of it and sent it to him. Um, which, by the way, I, I think I've mentioned this in, in things before, but people don't know i record my vocals right now in my car because uh i live in an apartment complex and uh, they would call the police yeah exactly (laughs) exactly so it it it, uh i typically take my laptop and my like audio interface (laughs) and all that stuff out to my car in a bag and then just set it up (laughs) and do it do it that way and i think it works pretty well uh i think the you know, cars are designed to not have too much outside sound come in, right? Just by nature of all the the carpeting. The, the weird and, places. And you're not the first person to say that they listen to music in the car a lot. I know that quite a few artists that was talking on the podcast a couple of days ago about how um, when Eddie Van Halen took the latest Van Halen album round to his, to Dweezil Zappa, they he went and listened to it in the car. This is a, like Frank Zappa's house. You probably got one of the best recording desks right. in the universe. But they go into the, the the garage and into the car to listen to the to the album because that's where he was like, well, most people are going to listen to it in the car, so yeah, it needs sure to be good in there. So hey, it makes sense. They need to record it in there. Then yeah, let's bring yeah, the drums in so, and the amps. <laughs> you know, it's a it's a unique thing. Uh, and then you know, so that's that's the way the vocals are recorded, but it. it works out well i have you know uh, a pop filter and everything i attach it to like the headrest and you know it's it works <laughs> i've definitely had people walk by before there's only just been two times where one was like a security guy and i think he was concerned and was like checking the parking decals and he like kind of looked over and i was like he scared me i was like you know i was like Whoa. And then, he's like this homeless guy's spitting fire he's amazing yeah and then i had one guy i could see him in the rear view mirror he 
he like walked up and kind of looked and then like walked away because i'm sure you could still hear from outside the car uh and it's just like what are they I, 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 I maybe don't know i don't know many things but i know that that's fucking metal to record <laughs> yeah. and that's fucking whatever your name is that's metal that's it i love that i absolutely love that it's, it's whatever whatever works for you it's the equivalent of uh, you know, rappers in the in, in the early days recording in a, in a, a shower because you had the, the tiles on. It's the same thing. It's the, it's yeah. like okay, just repurpose stuff to make it work. You know, just make it work and get it done. I love exactly. that. I think that's fabulous. So you are based in uh, Virginia, is that right? Yeah, we're in Northern Virginia, right outside DC. Um, we're yeah. scattered uh, individually across Northern Virginia, so we just generally refer to it as as Northern Virginia or Nova. Um, but uh, yeah, we we live in various parts all across Northern Virginia, but Northern Virginia, DC, pretty much is the. Is so the what's area. Um, what's the scene like now there with metal uh, in Virginia, and then by extension, sort of Washington? Yeah, there's some cool bands, and it, it's been interesting since we've been in the pandemic. You know, shows I feel like keep coming and going. Like there's like. Like in the summer last year, there was like, oh, we're doing shows again. Stuff's getting back to normal. And then it's like new versions of COVID hit. And then it's like just getting everything shut down again. So it, it's kind of back and forth a bit. So I feel like we haven't gotten to do as much like legwork of get out to a show, meet the local bands and stuff. But interestingly, because of social media, I have met a variety of other local bands just I find them on Instagram, you know, send them a message, say like, hey, we're local too. You know, let us know if you've got shows. We'll check you out and vice versa, um, support you type of thing. Um, but there's a few venues in, in D.C. that are smaller for bands, I would say, around our size. And there's a, there's a surprising number of bands um, that are either, there's a lot of like thrash, um, some, some death and like more sludgy stuff, and then like doom. There's a lot of, I'd say there's a surprising amount of doom metal bands around. Um, yeah. And there's even a, a festival I went to called Doom Metal Fest or Maryland Doom Fest. Um, oh, right. is that Maryland Death Fest? So there's two. There's a Maryland Death Fest and there's a Maryland right. Doom Fest. Um, <laughs> the two have so, nothing to do with each other. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with each other. Death Fest is a bit bigger. Um, right. Doom Fest is a little more like on a smaller scale, but they're both really cool. Uh, with, yeah. They're both a fun time. Doomfest is more like um, smaller bands as a whole, and it's like a smaller venue, um, and there's like like basically like three bars next to each other, um, and they just shows playing basically constantly. Like there's one bigger venue, and then there's like a basically like the back room of like a dive bar, and it's it's fun because half the people in the audience are also in a band, you know? So yeah. you're just, you're just chilling with other people who play music and seeing what they play and then checking them out and they check you out. Um, so it was a cool vibe, just a bunch of people having fun. Um, yeah. So the, when then um, now we're kind of, we're moving out of, of the, the, the pandemic. Now you kind of emerge. Did you, how did the scene get affected? Did you lose a lot of venues? Did you, did you find that? Did they kind of just stay in stasis or what? Happened? Yeah, I think a lot of them, we did lose some venues. Um, like, uh, what's the one? Um, 
so there's a place in DC, and this is a bit of a bigger venue, but there was, there's the 930 Club is what it's called, and U Street Music Hall was one that was pretty close by. That that one did shut down, which was unfortunate. Um, and some shows just totally got canceled. Other shows got moved to the 930 Club, which is more like, 930 Club is a larger venue, I'd say. Like, a band our size would you know, maybe open for someone who's opening for someone who's playing. Like, yeah. Uh, but there, it's not the biggest venue. It's, you know, the main venues where like bigger bands play, you know, we have like arenas and stuff. There, I think there's one company that owns all of like those larger ones. Um, the smaller, more local ones, be they, there's like breweries um, and there um, are a couple of other bars and just places that like, you know, encourage the really local stuff. Um, I think a lot of them did decently to stay open because they had the other aspect. Like um, there's a brewery right outside uh, where the Nats play the baseball team here. Yeah. Um, it's like right by their uh, Atlas works. I'm pretty sure is the name. Um, and they do a ton of metal shows, um, all kinds from like thrash and death metal and doom metal. They do a bunch of shows. They're really cool um they also are a brewery slash like restaurant so um they're able to stay open because of that and then when they could do shows you know i think they did shows so i think as a whole stuff did okay or stuff that would have music maybe just temporarily didn't have music and they just stayed open as a bar or whatever Hmm. so it definitely affected a lot and some things did shut down but a lot of them like you said kind of went in like a holding pattern and Hmm. just did what they could to make it through and um, now, you know, hopefully we're, we're really reemerging from all of this and, and starting mm-hmm. to play stuff. Um, well, one of the things that you, that you have as an advantage in the States over sort of ourselves in Europe and, and, and some other places that is that uh, those bands that are from or called the United States home, that's where they're going to start when they restart tours and restart shows and stuff. That's where they're going to start and, you know, get their themselves together get their touring cycle together why have you before they move to to europe so you will kind of have the first startups of that you know which is one of the advantages of of, of the states but it's it, it's one of the things i try and explain to people that listen on the show who are maybe from europe and from areas um uh, unfamiliar with the states just how big a, a venue is uh, a venue sorry how big a state is and how big the united states is so for, like for you to play you know, in several states, that's like a week's worth of traveling. And right. it's it's one of those extraordinary things that I, I think maybe people don't realize. Like, so how long does it take you to get to Washington? Yeah, so I live, I think, of everyone, I live the closest to actually being in D.C. Um, I'm yeah. probably like maybe 20 minutes drive. And the traffic is terrible. Uh, yeah. But either that or take a train, you know, maybe 20 minutes. Um, and then I... For me to drive to, I don't know if Dave or Jason is technically the furthest like west, but it probably could take you know forty five minutes to get to their place. So they're looking yeah. at more of like an hour to get into DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 always surprising. Every time I've been over to the states, it's always surprising me where you go. Okay, well we'll go from one side to other state to other, and obviously there are many different states. But when you go from one side to, to the other, sometimes that can be like several days. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, um, this area we're in right here is like on the border, like people refer to it as the DMD, DC, Maryland, Virginia, because 
you know, I am so close to the edge of DC and then I could also just drive up north a little bit and be in Maryland. So between those three states, you can do a lot, but to get from like where we are in Northern Virginia to say like somewhere in Tennessee, like if we wanted to play there, like that would take us eight to 10 hours or maybe even up to 12, depending on traffic. And it's like, if we're trying to get to Nashville, like, and that's, just because that's how big the states are. The, the reason, the reason I bring that up, especially with yourselves, is that it, it is that when you talk about you, know, that you have a, a, a job, and in order to do to be uh, in a band, it requires you to tour. That's one of the essences of, of being a band. But it's just so such a, a massive prospect and undertaking to do a show in, in in six states, for example, it's it, it's such a massive undertaking, isn't it, for for a, oh, a yeah, US fan? Sure. It's it's extraordinary. Absolutely, and I think that's where you know promoters and other people who do the library, you know, they they play a huge role in that of like organizing everything, making sure it's somewhat realistic. Because you know, you hear a lot of bands that um, you know basically they just like sleep in their bus and just like as soon as they finish with one place, they're just driving all night to get to the next place. Basically it's just because yeah. you're just trying to hit all these places. And it's like, and, and that's sometimes the only way you, you can, the two sorts of ways that it fundamentally you're meant to break the States is by radio and airplay and by touring. And that's why it can take several years for a band to create any kind of name or, or, or buzz for themselves. Is it, is that easier now because of, of the internet and, and the, the society stuff that we have now on the social media? Is it easier then, or is it still going to be always going to be, you're going to have to get out and tour a ridiculous amount? I think it's a bit of both. And I, I will be curious actually to see, you know, we're, we're basically, we have been, you know, busy, but we we're starting to like practice again and stuff here soon. Um, and get you know show ready basically whenever we can start to play again uh and i think it'll be interesting to see how that goes because you know there is some degree of like yeah it's easier to reach a broader audience through social media and stuff like you can advertise and you can play the game where you like things and follow things and all that stuff and like meet people and and all of that it it's a great way to get out there and get some listens, but I wonder about finding like genuine fans who are going to keep coming back to check out your new stuff and keep coming out to shows. I don't think you can ever get away from that. And I think that there's some degree of the internet's really good for getting a bunch of views or a quick listen here and there, but to build that real fan base, I think that does take the legwork of doing a bunch of touring and stuff. Um, yeah. you know time time will tell i guess but i i don't think you can ever truly get rid of that i think the internet can help a bit and there's probably people who have like a massive online presence and make a bunch of money doing that and like probably don't even really play shows they just release a single all the time um, and yeah. that does seem to be the game releasing singles more frequently um, yeah just that's like people's attention span these days and you want to stay relevant you release singles and do stuff you post every day on your social media I think it certainly works, but I think that um, I think there is some local legwork that needs to be done because um, I see some bands on Instagram and you know they build up a ton of followers. But I wonder what are they 
doing outside of that or like they don't you know, it seems like they're not making new music or anything like what are they are they playing to play shows how, how does it work out for them so i think i agree a hundred percent jd i think it, no one's ever got a tattoo of a band they've not seen live i, I don't i don't i i'm sure i'm wrong but no one <laughs> the, the valuable Ha- the thing that happens uh, when you're on a live show is it is uniquely intimate. It is a unique experience. I'm sure it'll be you know be able to be made in the, in the future. We can uh, emulate that. But for now, there's nothing that can beat that. And and that's not me putting the social media and internet down. I think that is a fabulous tool to be used in conjunction with. You know, it's 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 not a detriment. It's just something that can be used with. The live show will always be there. A great live band will always have longevity. It simply will. And all the social media and the internet has given us is give us a chance to a, a few much hits at getting people looking at what you're doing. You know, yeah. it used to be that a, a record label, when they even existed in that form, would have a stack <laughs> of CDs and they would listen to those CDs. That that world happened. Now we're we're, we're not in that place. We're in a totally different place. But it, it, it just means that there's more opportunity. When you get that opportunity, you have to do something with it because it will fall down completely. If someone loves your band, likes everything you do, then that one show that comes up that they go to, you fucking suck or it's awful. <laughs> they will stop liking that thing and being involved in that because they, they, there's, there's no connection. So the two of them combined are incredibly powerful things and they, they, they're both great, but they, they should understood what service that they provide and what element they do. And so, you know, I, I 100% agree. And I think that we are moving to a, an age where it's single-based. But here's the thing. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested in your thoughts on this, J.D. In the 60s, and we talked about the Beatles, but talk of like, you know, maybe someone like, like Hendrix. In the 60s, they were single-based. There was a lot of bands that would, would become big right. over, over a single, the Birds, Hendrix. You know, we talk about Purple Haze and, and that is a single. And then the, the, the plan was, well, if you like the single a lot, you bought the album. So I think it's still, that still always exists. If you listen to that one song, if you really, really, really fucking like that song, you are going to seek more and then you are going to buy an album. So I think the single culture is correct. We just need to connect it with the fuller experience. I don't know. I mean, yeah. what's your thoughts? No, I agree. And I think a big thing for me, I'm, I'm kind of an album guy. Like I like to listen to an album start to end and maybe it stems from like the vinyl stuff that I collect or, you know, growing up just in time to catch CDs before MP3 players and stuff. But I like to hear, I like that whole experience. I like to see a band's vision end to end. And I think that's a big part of music for me. And like you said, the the live aspect is even another layer of that. And I've just never been... Like, I like to hear singles. I like to hear, like, oh, there's the person's new song. I check it out. But then once all the singles are done and they release the album, I want to hear it end to end. Um, and that's just me. So, you know, I think that I do think that people need to, there needs to be some balance. Because I think, I think we are, like you said, it, it used to be single base. We're kind of back to single base. I wonder if it's going to be more like when you think of those people who had big singles back in the day, it was, they call them one hit wonders, right? Where yeah. they would have yeah. like a really big single and that was kind of it. Like maybe they would just, they might've had decent success of 
they had other music but people mm-hmm. would wait till like the end of the concert they'd play like the one song and then it'd be you know you could see the crowd like liven up for that song or maybe they'd they just play festivals and that's that's just their thing and the one song is really what what sells it. and that's fine but i don't think that's their intention or vision and i wonder if there's not going to be more of that but even shorter lived nowadays oh, yeah yeah like, i think yeah uh, I think TikTok you're right, and yeah. stuff you the, know, yeah people, like the whole influencer and tiktoker if you will is just another word for the one hit wonders that we experienced you know yeah. when, when it was called that and all we're doing is changing that sort of what the face of that looks like it still exists it's just under something else that's interesting yeah right. i think you probably yeah because i just right. wonder with people's like and i guess it's the slightly younger generation i it seems like attention spans are just disappear disappearing before our eyes and mm. we're all getting worse about it not just the younger generation yeah. i think phones and social media and stuff is just it's what's happening nowadays uh as things leave our minds sooner and you have to keep people's interest more. That's part of what's driving the single base release stuff. And if you only have the one big single, I do agree. People will want to check out more of your stuff, but are enough people going to check out more of your stuff these days? And will it draw them in and want them to keep listening? Or are they just going to move to the next thing? Cause you know, their attention spans too short now. Uh, I, I, yeah yeah i think i think that's completely right i think what what you would find then if that is the case is that, that the people that do enjoy what you do so someone hears one of your songs and then they go okay i'd really like to check some more out that if they go to the ep and and go to the, the larger sort of your larger catalog if they do like that you've got them for life then they they would, yeah. so they would buy it up because i think if, if it, when they when people do buy in they buy it wholeheartedly. Like I'm getting everything by a span. I'm completely. I'm going to follow them on all social medias. I'm really going to buy into this band, which I suppose means that you're going to get less fans because there's so much pe- money out there. But right. the fans that are there are going to be absolutely, you know, de- dedicated. That's not a bad world. That's not a bad situation to be in. You know, uh, it means that less fans, more dedicated fans, more people who care about it. I think that's probably. That's not too bad a trade-off. That's not too bad a trade-off, I think. Um, I think that because there's simply more bands and more people and more everything, I think that you, you're probably right that, it, that, 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 will, that will be the case. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Like, I, I think about um, The Wall. We talked about Pink Floyd and The Wall, and you think that that is a, a double-concept album with many, many facets and many, many aspects to it. And the biggest, most popular single off that is another Brick in the Wall part two, which is a tiny part of that. And I'm pretty sure that there's a lot of people that love that song, as rightly they should. It's a classic song. And I'm sure there's a ton of people who've listened to that song who've never heard that album. And I reckon there's a ton of people who've listened to that album, don't like it, can't really get into it, and and don't really find it accessible. And I guarantee, well, we know there is, that there's going to be a ton of people who listen to that song as a single, listen to the album, and it just took their fucking head off because they got it and they loved it, and that becomes their fucking, their everything. So I think, yeah, it's it's an, we're in an interesting time where I don't think we should demonise the social media. I think we should understand that it's what results it gives you, that they are transient results, that they are, you know, ultimately 
what's the best way to see this? The, the, ultimately, the, there isn't an awful lot of weight when we know this in, in having a lot of Instagram followers. It will get you so far, but it really doesn't translate to going to a live show and the right. buy-in that, that that provides. It's interesting, yeah. I, I think you, I think you're right. I think we are changing what we call one-hit wonders, and 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 these people that don't have have careers, which is, I suppose, good and bad. And um, you know, I think it's always going to have those people who are who just have enough for one song or just have enough yeah. for one silly dance or whatever it may be, you know. Um, and you know, you get your 15 minutes of fame. It's and yeah. it works. It's good. You know, some people that's that's what they wanted to achieve. And that's great. And, yeah. I, and maybe that that does work out well because people have so many different ideas now. Like it, you know, like we said, we all of us work standard jobs and then do this as a hobby. So maybe it's the same type of thing. Like maybe social media helps us reach a broader audience and yeah. You know, we play local shows and have a little local following. Maybe we do a small tour, but, you know, who knows? And it's, yeah. we don't have to spend as much time, like you said, by, by finding and using it the right way and taking it, what it, the, you know, the results that we can from it, we can use it to our advantage to do good things rather yeah. than just totally be against it, um, you know, yeah, there, as a whole. There are some... It's now I think about it, there are some parallels between back in the 60s and 70s when you were trying to form a band and there was bands everywhere back then. It was the same situation and you had to leave and travel to a big city or whatever it may be. Now we've just moved that online. We just moved that to a digital zone. The issues are still the same. And I think what it really comes down to maybe is that good music and good bands and good songs will somehow always filter to the top. They just, they just will, you know, it's it, it be, where the mouth be it either digitally or otherwise will always, you know, Lamb of God's a perfect example. Um, I didn't find Lamb of God. People came to me with it. They were like, you need to hear this band. You listen to this, listen to that. The good will sort of come through. And I think, the reason I bring that up is because I, I thought it was very interesting what you said uh, almost at the very beginning. Is that you're doing something that you enjoy that because you have a, 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 a job. When you do this, this is for no other reason other than to be musically and artistically valid to you and speak to your soul. And um, that's that's a that's something that someone can can believe in and and and, and adopt much much better. I feel you know. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean. I've always thought that like if I did music full time, I think it would become like a job and then I would not, yeah. it would not be the same. I've always thought that, that, that I couldn't do it just as the only thing I do for that reason. Um, yeah. it, so it's always good as a hobby. Cause I don't know. I just don't think that's me. I'm just not, you know, every, when you do something every day, you you can be passionate about it, but I think there's only yeah. so much you can give into it and to be genuine. Like you said, I think, having that separation helps, helps it. And, you know, maybe it means we release songs a little slower than we want because we want to make it perfect and we want it to be genuine and life gets in the way and stuff. But I think I would rather have a slow stream of releases that we're extremely proud of than to just like slap together an album and just release it. And then, okay, now we have another year contract to make our next album. Let's just, take the 10 best songs we come up with over the next few months and just make it work, you know? Yeah, I think that's a perfect example of using the medium to save you rather than the other way around. Then not to suddenly go, well, okay, it's Thursday, so we've got to release another song. 
and you know because that will get old very quickly and i've seen i've seen it happen to bands where they burn out uh, on social media because this it, it it's now they're they're their servants it's like a, the, the, what's the quote that people say um, i didn't want to work a day job so now i work um all day so they lose the day job but in order to feed social media they are constantly having to produce content and that becomes very wearing and it means that you know it reduces you know the validity of what they're doing and the heart soon soon goes out of it um, and you hear that you can hear that in a band that's constantly releasing or if someone is constantly releasing a video where they're talking about something if they're not passionate about it it falls down very quickly you know it, it really does for sure absolutely and i think that I think even just social media burnout, like I took over the social media, the Instagram account uh, early on the pandemic and I was posting every day and I had more free time. It worked fine, but man, you just get so tired of it. And now I maybe post like once a week. I I don't know it when we're about to release the music video, I'll probably post stuff every day. Um, But you know, it just, you get too into like trying to feed the algorithm and do what the, what they want you to do and yeah you maybe don't get as much like notice you know it doesn't reach as many people as many interactions and whatever they want to quantify it as if you're not doing it that way but yeah i think it comes back to being genuine to yourself and you know making it a passion project rather than yeah it, it becomes like for me certainly i i, I you know, promote this podcast using social media i have to wear different hats and but i have to be very sure that i'm wearing whatever hat i'm wearing so if i'm on a show i speak from the heart i speak about the things that i enjoy and then i put the other hat on which is for an hour or whatever it may be i will adopt social media and do all the things that you're meant to do and all the things yeah, that exactly. help improve that yeah and knowing doing that that's that's a that's a great thing i think one of the things that that i, I take a lot of comfort from is that we talked about uh, attention spans dwindling, and, and they are. But when people do buy in, I think that they really do now. So, like, for example, the podcast that I listen to, some of them are two or three hours long, you know, and, and, and I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't affect me. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to spend two or three hours, maybe in two sessions or whatever, listening to something that I'm going to get an awful lot back from. And so I think that, I think that the viewing habits are changing but I think that their value is the same. If that, if that, if that yeah. makes kind of any sense to anyone. No, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I, I think that that's part of putting out quality content that people mm. will want to spend that time with, with whatever they're consuming. You know, I watched yeah. a two hour thing the other day and I intended to watch it. And then a couple of like, I was going to watch part of it and then watch the rest of it the next day. And then it was just so entertaining and interesting and, I just sat through the whole thing, <laughs> you know, and, that, and, that, and that's how it should be. That's your, you, what we're talking about here, ladies and gentlemen, is engagement and being present for what you're doing, and uh, you know, it's uh, and being kind of available to it and, and listening. And I would suggest to anybody, that, especially when you listen to any piece of music, don't do it with the television on. Don't do it whilst you're doing something else. Listen to to what's going on. Listen to what the message is and what's going on with the music. So you've got an EP coming up. Can we? Are we are we months away? Where are we? Do you think? Ah, uh, that's a good question. I would say it's probably still a couple months away. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, nothing will be part of it. Um, there are 
at least two other songs that are mostly written and pretty much we just need to get all the pieces put together. Um, and then I think like those three songs, I think was the original plan. Like we're just going to release those. And if we just do those, I think it could come out sooner rather than later. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, we're perfectionists and we want to be really proud of it. So we might spend more time on pieces of it. But I think, I think Dave is working on one solo um, for one of them. And then I have uh, another vocal part and I, I like to try out different things during the recordings for vocals. Um, just either whether it's new techniques or whether it's just pushing the bounds of what I can do with that technique. Like you mentioned, you know, it, slashing your amps, you know, to make it more distorted, whatever the case is. Uh, yeah. Just trying, trying different things to see what works well in the recording. So I think there'll be some aspect of that playing around until we feel like it's it's totally what we want it to be. Um, we have like some versions of other songs, like we did a cover of At the Gates, um, um, Blinded by Fear, and I think we we might tweak that one actually, mm-hmm. and I might um, mix up the vocals a bit. Uh, we covered it fairly straightforward at first. I might give it a bit more spin on the vocals and then Dave will give it his own solo to make it more ours. Uh, and we might be yeah. attaching that to the EP too, you know, just as like a, as a whole thing. And then there are a couple of songs that I've dug up and a couple of songs that Pete um, and BG have been working on as far as like the structure of them with the bass and the drums. Um, and then Dave had, Dave broke his leg. Uh, I don't remember where it was relative to when we did the first show, but at some point in this whole process, Dave in a skateboarding accident totally broke his leg uh, or his ankle or whatever the case is. I don't remember the specifics, but uh, he spent a lot of time on the couch uh, and just playing guitar like all day long. So he's written a ton of cool riffs and licks and stuff. So we have a lot of material. It's just, there's like three songs where all the pieces are pretty much there. We just have to fine tune. So those right. could be on the sooner rather than later side, but there's so many other songs that it's like, should we just keep tackling these and put together something bigger? Should we get these three songs out now? Should we release Like we released nothing as a single and now we're doing a music video. Should we just do that? We release all three songs as singles with music videos and then compile them into an EP. I think, that's what we did last time. And we might lean towards that again. Um, that way people hear the stuff sooner rather than later. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to say for sure. Cause I think there's just various factors that go into it, but, uh, they will happen. I'll say that. (laughs) Well, it's, it's, it's nice that uh, I think a lot of, a lot of people listening and there will be people listening to, to this in bands as well. You represent a very, uh, similar journey to what and similar position to where where bands are now, and I think they'll take a lot of solace from knowing that, that there's other people, you know, playing music in the same way and in the same situation as you. One of the things that I enjoy about the band is that is that I know everything that you produce is uh, from speaking to you guys is, is incredibly well curated and 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 it's, and it's always going to be of a high level. So I will put links on 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 the the show notes, obviously, uh, ladies and gentlemen. But I really. I really want you to check out Floor and Void. And what I want you to do is I want you to stay with them for their journey and see their stuff and see what, what's going on because I think it's really exciting. I think you've, you, you're have moving at quite a pace in terms of your development, and I think that's exciting. Um, 
we did it, JD. We finally, we finally yeah. got the show done. Uh, which is uh, amazing to me, uh, which is great. And, and it's been a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back and, you know, working with us and our, our challenges too and <laughs> get, getting it all together. We, you're right. We got it together. It was a, it was a great time. So it was a fun <laughs> conversation. I think, Thanks, man. I think we Thanks. went to some cool places that maybe people wouldn't expect just from sure. hearing our Most music. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks again. JD there from the band Fallen Void. What a it's it's a really I mean that conversation went in in slightly different different directions and that's one of the things that I really enjoy about having unscripted, unedited, and just put it out there as as a conversation that we can talk about anything we want. A lot of the conversations start in a similar fashion, and then I think branch out into something where we cover some really interesting things and get a real insight into the band and that person's thoughts and feelings about that particular thing and i think that that's one of the, the, the things i like most about the show that i enjoy the most about it is that we can we can have those those type of conversations it's going to be really interesting to listen to fallen voids output and see kind of the, the output that they have and the music they that they produce we're about to start on a journey with them uh, which is really exciting for me i can't wait to finally catch them live as well we're about that time ladies and gentlemen we're going to start seeing some bands live again and I'll be at shows, talking to bands and seeing them in their natural state, which is absolutely superb to see. Everybody, every great metal band should be a great live band. Um, I'm going to be appearing at Liverpool University, speaking again, and hopefully that show will be able to be produced as a podcast. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And I'll put this in the water now so people can start to maybe think about checking it out, but I am going to be starting to use the social media device Hi-Ho, that's a device where I can speak to people in conversations and stuff like that. A new upcoming medium. I'm going to start exploring that. I think it might be a good way to talk to people and talk to uh, bands as well. So look out for that. Something exciting and kind of experiment with. And um, thanks for listening to the show as always. I hope you're ent- entertained. If you're informed as well, that's great. I hope it passes the time on those long car journeys. I'm told by um, bands that this is this is now something they listen to. Uh, you know, post tour when they're traveling, which is nice. If you're in a band right now and you are on the road in in a, in a van, in a splitter, or even on a tour bus, and you're listening to this show, I I salute you. I salute you one and all for for the work you put in. Um, I know you have that that knackered long car journey sometimes across state or across country to 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 get to where the next show is. I appreciate it, and so do the 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 legions of metal fans out there. What you're doing is important, even if you think that that show you only played to twenty or thirty people. Believe me, they you changed that twenty or thirty uh, people's lives. It's incredibly important. As always, thank you again for listening to the show. 